Hello and welcome to Don't Shoot the Deputies, a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. In this episode, we are thinking about mathematics and in particular, mathematical reasoning. Steve, would you like to do the honours and introduce our guest for this episode? It would be my pleasure, Russell, and evening, everybody. We're joined today by Gareth Metcalf. Gareth is behind the IC Maths website, which includes a superb IC reasoning and IC problem-solving resources, which we are both massive fans of. Gareth runs a lot of training events for teachers and also produced some excellent lessons during lockdown, enjoyed by children up and down the country, including children at my school. It's great to have you on the podcast, Gareth. Thank you, Steve. It's great. And Russell, it's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you with us tonight, Gareth. Thank you. And we are both self-confessed maths nerds who have a lot of admiration for your work. <laughs> and in fact, Gareth, not only is it us, but my nine-year-old is one of your biggest fans. And <laughs> when I told her I was going to be doing a podcast with Gareth Metcalf, I think it was the first name I've mentioned that she recognised because in her school they used a lot of your lessons during lockdown. So she was dead excited, Gareth, that I was getting to talk to you. So uh how about that for your ego? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Well, I have to say, one, one of the best things was going to our local park. And a lot of the kids at the local school did the lessons, or some did and some didn't. And so I'd never know, you know, sometimes people would be looking at me and I'd be thinking, I bet you did the lessons. That's, that's why. <laughs> it's very, very strange. Celebrity but... status. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gareth, look, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. Can you tell us a bit about why maths is your thing and why you do the work that you do now? Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I, I just, um, I always found teaching maths and children's experience of maths to kind of be, um, for a lot of children, it was kind of inherently joyful. And, and I always found like, I always think as humans, we, we naturally like mental challenges. And I know there's a lot of talk around negative perceptions towards maths. But I mean, for me, I, I, I wasn't someone who loved maths at school, but I would be the kind of person who would dig into puzzles on the back of a newspaper. And, and I, I, I think that is inherent within all of us. And I guess that I, I, it was just something that I gravitated towards in my teaching and enjoying children engaging and interacting in, in maths. And I thought perhaps it was my teaching, but I seemed to be able to get more of a kind of emotional response in maths. And, and, um, and you know, I guess for some children that was really positive. For others, it was a real challenge. But it was always something that, that I found really, really kind of enticed my attention as, as a teacher. And yeah, and I think it was something that then I, I started to do a little bit more background reading into uh, and that kind of piques your curiosity even more. And, and I think it, it's one of the great things about teaching and there's so much you can explore. Um, you never get to the kind of the, uh, you know, the end of the rainbow, if you like. And, but being able to go deep in one area, I, th- I found fascinating, a great mental challenge. And I guess that then one thing led to another in, in my career, really. Wonderful. What a lovely summary. Absolutely. So a helpful starting point for a discussion about mathematical reasoning is actually to pin down what we mean by it. How would you describe what mathematical reasoning is, Gareth? And leading on from that, why is it an important part of mathematics? Yeah, OK. Well, that, that's an interesting one, because I, I think that if I was to define what mathematical reasoning is, I think I could talk broadly about that. And, and I think you can get many different definitions from many different people, but around how it's sense making or it's making connections from what we already know to something else. 
But the kind of uh, the non-generic response to that, I think, is first of all, I think it's very it's very personal. So I think that I could model what mathematical reasoning might look like for me, and I could lead you towards what mathematical reasoning could be that might be appropriate to that context. But I think that it's something that an individual, it's an internal experience for an individual, and I think it's based on their mental map. I think it's something that you can provide opportunities for. And I, I, as I say, I think it's, it's important that it, you model what mathematical reasoning can look like, but I think it's, very, it's a very kind of personal experience. And, and I also think it's important to discern it from what a child communicates uh, as well, because I think that is another layer of, of, of skill. But I think that mathematical reasoning also has lots of kind of, there's lots of sub skills within that, that I think it's important to break down and, and like different forms of reasoning. So I, I remember reading a paper and it was talking about the importance of mathematical reasoning and how predictive it is to later success. That definition of mathematical reasoning was a little bit different because it was looking at, um, for example, relations and children understanding relations in worded questions. And I would say that is a form of mathematical reasoning that I would discern from, let's say, I I know six times seven, so I can derive 12 times seven, or I can estimate an answer, or I can take a systematic approach to a calculation. I would say that I, I could give a broad definition of, of reasoning, but I think as well that there are lots of sub-skills that children build and they may be stronger in kind of one aspect of, of that than another. So I, again, I think a, another important one would be, well, how do I tie what I already know to a, a scenario that I'm, I'm not familiar with? And how can I take what I currently learn, what my current web of understanding and apply that in a novel situation? And I think, again, that's a, a, a real challenge for, for children and for teachers to facilitate. So, I mean, I would say when I would be looking at mathematical reasoning, I, I would think it's really important. We know that it's very predictive, but it also takes lots of different forms. And, and developing all those kind of lines of thinking, I think, is, is really crucial for children as they, as they move forward. I'm, I'm really pleased that you uh, acknowledge the multifaceted element of, of reasoning there Gareth and that there are so many different sort of scenarios and, and and types of reasoning and you know my my secret confession at this point of the podcast is in the next couple of weeks I'm supporting my math leads to uh, to run some training around barriers to reasoning so the, the, there is a, a very helpful <laughs> aspect <laughs> of being able to talk to you tonight about this and I know that one thing we're going to be talking about is the fact that there are so many different um, sort of scenarios for reasoning and each of those has their own sets of sort of skills and knowledge that are attached to them so I'm really pleased you acknowledge that and I have to say you had me thinking about Skemp's instrumental and relational understanding when you were talking about uh, the fact that your uh, reasoning as the teacher might be unique to the, the the different children in the class and the different routes they take there and that's really important in maths isn't it that we acknowledge that there's often multiple valid routes towards an answer. Absolutely I, I think that you, you're almost seeing a child's mental map when they're reasoning. Yeah. And and, and you're seeing that everything that, that, that's been built previously and, and, and that ties into their individual experience of reasoning. Mm. And, and I think that being, being aware of that and, and the different forms that reasoning can take is, is, is really interesting. Mm. So, so when we see children reason, we, we glean a lot about the level of their understanding. I think that's a nice thing to acknowledge from the offset. 
would you say it's kind of an, an it illuminates the, the the maths that exists there in their brain? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the thing that's interesting that the thing that I would always be very keen when when you hear children reasoning to respond to that immediately. And I often found more success in actually it, it being a map for me and how I need to adapt my teaching mm. um, and how I need to be ready for them the next day. Mm. Because often in that moment, it's difficult to, to challenge and change a child's perception of something. And I think then, and, and maybe it's just the way that I would plan and I would need the time to kind of go away and reflect. But I think that actually having that time to, to, to kind of listen and ingest and think about where that understanding comes from is is such a kind of important part of the kind of if you like the art and the science of of teaching really well mm. and, and and last bit there on on that aspect before uh steve asks you the next question and um, gareth is just thinking about do you feel that reasoning is sort of sometimes reserved for our higher attaining pupils as if it's not something that's necessarily for everyone and i, I don't mean that anyone would sort of intentionally do that but is that something you've noticed in the work that you do I, th- I think absolutely. I think absolutely. And I think that reasoning is something that to me is intertwined within both becoming fluent and in problem solving. And, and it's, it's this a- a idea of connecting, connecting different mathematical ideas or connecting what I already know about mathematics to what I'm trying to learn. And I think that inherently when we're looking at building, building long-term memory, um, and effectively building long-term memory. We, we can't do that without being able to reason. You know, we might be able to help children to perform in a, in a lesson, but actually if we're going to change the long-term memory, I think reasoning has to be inherent for all children throughout that process. Mm. And I think, I think there's an interesting thing there because it's almost like with children whose practice attainment is lower, it's easy to see as a teacher the kind of low-hanging fruit of uh, you know, arithmetic or what we can get the children to be able to do in a relatively short period of time. I, I, I was talking about this recently with some colleagues. And actually, if we're thinking, well, if our end point is, well, what do we want the children to be able to do when they're 16 years old? Building their capacity to reason will build their capacity as mathematicians, and they'll be able to apply that in different areas of maths. And and of course, they'll need the, the kind of um, domain-specific subject knowledge as well to be able to do that but I think keeping on building a child's capacity to reason you almost build their capacity as a mathematician in the long run and I think it's really important that that then it isn't it isn't part of a sequence that comes after fluency for sure for sure Mm. now following on from that Gareth from my experience teachers can find the reasoning part of maths trickier to actually teach and I often find myself in many a staff meeting and pupil progress meeting where we talk about children struggling with reasoning itself. Can you tell us about what you think the main barriers are to a child being able to reason mathematically? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I, I, I think I think perhaps there's a perception there that reasoning is something it, it, in certain contexts is different than than I would see it because I think that sometimes when you when you're looking at calculation, for example, there's so ample opportunities for reasoning in just making those connections between what I already know or between different calculations. And I think it's actually teachers seeing the all the different manifestations of reasoning as, as being really important, rather than seeing it as some kind of higher order form of thinking, comparing different calculation strategies. And, and it might be that 
One of the things that I would refer to there is thinking, where am I as a teacher creating the challenge? Where's the challenge coming from? And, and not wanting to have challenge in maths coming from too many different areas. And I think that that's something that can help children to access reasoning is to think, well, actually, if I, if I want them to notice this relationship, then actually that's where the challenge is going to lie. And adapting, adapting there as well, I think, is, is certainly one part of that. Yeah, nice. I, I was just thinking as you, were, as, as you were talking there, Gareth, that there seems to me to be, hmm, how can I say it? As you said, this sometimes almost like a separation, that reasoning is this thing in itself, that it's like an add-on. Um, so it's part of the challenge with reasoning, thinking how we thread it through everything, because... I, you know, for example, you take the white rose planning, which we lots of schools use, and it has so much brilliant stuff in it. But obviously, sort of does in the task compartmentalise those. Is there a danger sometimes, innocently, that teachers then sort of see those as really isolated things that fluency and problem solving and reasoning are separate when in fact you you, you kind of flip between them in every task you do? I, I think so, and and I think with any pre-prepared scheme of any kind. You know, we know that they all have great strengths and come with great expertise. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think it is that the, the skill of the teacher and thinking how how do I take the kind of the the intention and the thought behind that and apply it to to the the children in 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 your class as well. And and I think as well, one thing that I always encourage schools is to have like consistent go to approaches for how you embed reasoning and, and that children will be used to seeing from, well, not in all instances, but often from year one to year six and certainly consistent titles throughout the school. So what one that I would have would be small difference questions. Mm. And it comes with its own cognitive load if I introduce a new technique. Yeah. And children have to learn to how they compare one question to, to the other and, and predict what will be the same and what will be different. Or how many ways would be another technique, a generic technique that I would use. And, and I think that if we have these, whatever we see them as being, if we think, right, as a school, these are some of the go-to techniques that we that we have, that children are used to, that they see consistently. Then actually, when it comes to time in the lessons, you can actually focus on the maths rather than introducing the, you know, the the additional load to introducing a reasoning technique. Mm. So I think having that, that having that bank of places to go to that's consistent, threaded through the school. Is, is really a, a really kind of important aspect within that. I like that. So is there an argument because reasoning can take so many different formats and like you say, there's so many different styles of sort of reasoning tasks that are really great, but unique in, in terms of their own cognitive demand that they put on children. Is there a place, if you're a school like mine, where we feel that we, we've basically been on a two-year journey looking at the NCETM's five big areas of mastery and the mathematical thinking bit feels like the one we're really in at the moment to really enrich and reasoning is clearly central to that. Is there a place to sort of say as a staff, let's let's really examine this type of reasoning problem and let's really get children good at that across our school, really become familiar with that rather than throwing too many different types of questions at them straight away, do you think? I definitely, definitely. Mm. And I and I think as a as a a team of teachers as well, it's something that you can really support one another in. Because mm. the thing that I would always say when I try and encourage stuff that I work with is when I introduce a new technique and say I've, I've read about something or the first time I introduce that I'm a novice at using that technique and it generally won't be as successful as I like I would like to think it will become 
And I think as a staff, if, if there's if there's a an aspect of or a let's say a reasoning technique that you can look at together, I think it's really important to have someone else there as well whilst you're introducing something that's new. Mm. Um, because actually to deliver and to reflect on 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 its success, relative success and tweaks that you can make. I think it is just a really difficult thing to do. So I think um, I think having a, that kind of coherence is is really valuable. Mm. Can I pick on a couple of other barriers that I am anticipating I think might come up in my staff meeting, uh, Gareth, <laughs> and, and just unpick a bit with you in terms of, you know, do you see them as a bit of a barrier with reasoning? And, and if so, what, what, what other advice? That's great advice you've given there around the different sorts of formats of of reasoning problem. One thing I, I suspect some teachers may point out to me is that sometimes some children do find it hard to reason because of this sort of lack of prerequisite knowledge in that particular area of math. So it's almost like if we think of the old knowledge skills debate and how someone like Claire Seedy would say, well, knowledge and skills are two sides of the same coin. You know, they, ca- they can't be separated. We use knowledge to, you know, apply in a skill. So she gives the example of a the, the degrees in a triangle i'd need to know that the three three angles in a triangle internal angles add up to 180 degrees in order to be able to solve problems about that what would your advice be around that if if teachers feel that the children just don't have enough background knowledge to be able to reason in that area of maths they're studying at that time uh, that's a great point that you raise and i think it's um i think it's really important to think because you have to think about how do i build from a child's current knowledge and and encourage them to apply what they currently understand to this, what for them is a new and novel situation. Mm. And I guess you could say that the, the, the lower the level of precursor knowledge, the, the more that that process will have to be, will have to be scaffolded. But I think it is possible. You, it's having that real understanding of what children currently know and to what extent you'll need to scaffold or, or even model how an expert mathematician reasons. And it could be, again, that it comes back to the idea of where's the challenge coming from mm. and not trying to create for in, in the child's experience challenge coming from too many places. And, and it, it's such a, it's, again, it's just the skill of the teacher, I feel there. Great. Steve, do you want to nip in there on, on vocabulary? I think we were thinking about. Yes, because um, Gareth, at the moment, I'm in a school where we're really focusing on reading and vocabulary and really trying to close the vocabulary deficit as such. And we find that that tends to be a barrier for our children when they're tackling the reasoning questions within a maths lesson. And they also, what we get a lot of is the issue of communicating in terms of they say, I get it, but I don't know how to say it. And we then look at STEM starters, etc. Can you give any advice on how to overcome this barrier of vocabulary deficit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what you're doing there is 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 great practice. And I would say that there is a difference between like a, a child's actual, th- th- they are able to reason without necessarily being able to communicate that reasoning, but that reasoning can have happened without them being able to communicate that effectively. Now, of course, the language will also improve their ability to reason. And so there's a few things around that. What One might be ways that questions might be presented so that you can actually see or a child is able to express their reasoning in a way that's appropriate for them. So working with younger children, that is finding a way that they can actually show their mathematical reasoning is is, is a challenge. And then, of course, actually modelling or what an expert mathematician, how they reason. And I think it is, again, about knowing knowing those children and knowing that appropriate level of scaffold and how you can remove that, that, that is key to that. And again, I think, I think with that, there isn't a shortcut. Mm. And I think it's those consistent approaches throughout the school 
that will then hopefully mean the children can really focus on the kind of the content in that in that lesson specifically. That's great. Um, we you mentioned modelling there, Gareth, and that's kind of the last one on my my list of barriers there that I think perhaps we are more inclined to explicitly model a, a sort of an arithmetic technique rather than the how to reason. So how do we get better at doing that? What could good reasoning modelling look like in a mathematics lesson? Do you think? Yeah, well, that's really uh, that's a really interesting one because I think it applies in in reasoning as it does in in problem solving because it's not as as linear, and because the the way that I might reason around a problem uh, or uh, in in a certain context might be might be different from from someone else. So I, I think that that is that is a, a challenge. I think it's about knowing the that individual or the individual children really really well as to what's what's appropriate for them. And I think it's really important that children essentially are exposed to different forms of, of mathematical reasoning and, and, and almost thinking what lies behind that. So it might be thinking, how have I modelled and, and how, has, how has the representation that I've used to present this problem? How well does that match the underlying mathematical structure in, in this instance as well as, as being a kind of a really important, a really important aspect with that. So, so let's say, for example, if I was looking at a child being able to, and, and the kind of form of reasoning I was looking, looking at was a child looking at an answer and considering, is this realistic? Then that might be born from, did we really develop with them their kind of approximate number system and their capacity when they were younger to look at a quantity and think, I think it's around about this, and then use counting as a mechanism to check that. And I think then accelerate children forward and it, it, the, the, you've got much more fertile ground for that individual form of reasoning. But I think often as well, it's about looking back and thinking, what are, they, what are the roots of this? And also just understanding that there are these different forms of reasoning and trying to expose children to them as, as, as broadly as possible. Mm, yes, and that does lead us on really nice to your resources, which Steve's going to talk about with you in just a moment. But just a couple of points to pick up on some things you said there was, First of all, what you said about the choice of the representation, that's something I've really learned that actually, if we pick a really good representation in maths to match the kind of context of the problem, that becomes almost like a, a hook on which to hang the reasoning, doesn't it? It's that kind of focal point that I can use to kind of bring what I'm saying to life visually. So I think that's a, a great point. And the other thing you had me thinking about, and the timing's just impeccable, because we did a staff meeting last night. We're using um, Tom Sherrington and Oliver Caviglioli's walkthroughs at the moment. And there's a wonderful section on live modelling where they talk about things like um, the importance of constantly narrating your thinking as a teacher, but narrating your messy thinking and how you get your messy thinking into some sort of organised process. And you really made me think of that when you were talking about how your thinking will be different to the child's, but how you kind of put that together. And lastly, I think one of the steps of the walkthroughs specifically talks about the importance of children seeing more than one credible approach with with anything they're talking about a piece of writing they're talking about math lessons they're talking about a scientific diagram anything that actually if children can see more than one sort of live modeled example and that's really important for that kind of I suppose schema formation and 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 that there's not just always one way uh, of which to get to an answer I suppose that's really important in reasoning isn't it I think that's a really interesting thing as well because if you're talking about you know we're talking about how we reason mathematically and and I'm approaching a non-standard problem, then my thinking is messy for a, for a period. And actually that will be children's experience. 
they'll also have this period of of messy thinking and, and them actually seeing and listening to that process will hopefully help to for them to understand that that is all part of the the, the idea formation rather than just seeing a, a com coherent complete response initially um i think there could be kind of great value in that and absolutely the idea of seeing i've seen different different forms of reasoning because as i say i, I remember mike askew talking about this that you can give children opportunities to reason i could show them how to how to calculate i could even show them how to problem solve but i remember him saying you can give children opportunities to reason but then their reasoning is is very individual i feel absolutely now russell mentioned the resources earlier gareth and there'll be a lot of people listening who we know will know a lot about your resources and have used them previously and as we said earlier we are huge fans of them can you tell us a bit about them and how they can be used in schools and I know I've had some very excitable year four teachers recently with your new additions, but can you tell us about your recently released new resources and how they can be impactful and what you're offering? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, just a kind of bit of background, really. I, I always I always remember two things. One is my head teacher would always say to me, and he was an absolute inspiration for me, but he would always say, Gareth, what does it look like in the classroom? And that has always stuck with me as like my mantra. Of what does it look like in the classroom? I, I, I never wanted to um, be someone who would provide professional development, where, which was kind of like talking in metaphors about the iceberg. I always felt like I wanted to know what, what this practically looks like. And, and, and that is what I've always wanted to try and provide for teachers. So when I talk about the different forms of reasoning, I, I'm absolutely acutely aware of how time pressured everyone is and the kind of constraints that we all work within. And so what, what I wanted to do is actually like these, these ideas, how we build reasoning in within, uh, within calculation, how we um, improve a child's capacity, as I mentioned, for example, to, to approximate within calculation. All these different forms of reasoning. I, I, I wanted to put together a document that would be really coherent that people could use so they could see how this is how I build reasoning at, at the phase of learning where I'm building understanding. Where, um, where we've got intelligent practice coming in and I've, I want to have those little sequence of questions. And I, I hope to be able to provide the generic techniques that people could take away and say, right, we're going to implement these techniques in, in our school. And actually, here's a, a bank of them. And then also, of course, for people to be able to go away and think, you know what, I could, I could write a set of small difference questions that would be more appropriate to my class, to these children, than this set here. And, and be able to kind of innovate around there. But that really was the, was the philosophy and, and looking at how do I build coherent sequences of lessons, building children's understanding, using those visual representations to the tasks that I might look at later in a sequence of lessons where children are finding multiple possible answers and they're having to work systematically. And I guess, to be honest, my, my philosophy around that has been, and how do I do that? so that a really passionate but time pressured teacher is going to be able to adapt that planning that they work from and build that understanding and add that challenge and for, for it to really kind of I, I don't know if i'm entirely answering your question here but build all those little pieces that that, that we want and really put reasoning and to some extent problem solving at the uh, at the heart of children's experience of maths and they certainly do that, Gareth. They are very easy to work with. And they're, I, I like that you've 
picked a few key kind of structures that are familiar and that you become more afraid with, even when you've released, you know, new resources, I can kind of see the patterns. Uh, I think they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, can you tell us a bit more, you know, if you were to pick a particular example of a type of question that you maybe see in your IC reasoning, you've mentioned small difference problems. What are the sorts of things you do? I know it's hard in a podcast. You almost want to shove it on the screen so people can see it. But can you kind of maybe give us an example of a couple of the different types of questions and how how they do provoke thinking in children? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let, let me let me talk about um, a, a couple of the a couple of the new techniques, because I'd, I'd released um, an original series. So there was originally a an IC reasoning lower key stage two and upper key stage two. And I've recently re- I've switched them. So there's now books for individual year groups and they're much, much more extensive. And um, and it's really coming from things that I've learned in the last few years. And and one say was in introducing in in introducing calculation. Um, what I would previously do is show children how to complete a whole calculation and ask them to do the whole thing. And now what I might have instead are just a, a next step task, which will look at one aspect of a calculation. Now it, it could be, for example, how to regroup within a subtraction. And what we'll have is eight example questions. And children will have to look at those and decide which regroups have and haven't been done correctly. And they become an aspect, an expert, sorry, in just one aspect of answering that question. And so all of their thinking can be focused on that one individual skill. Rather than me e- e- emphasizing that skill, whilst children have to complete all the other steps of the calculation. And that would be a way in which I would look at saying that I'm trying to embed reasoning within within calculation or uh, similarly with part complete examples so it's almost like a scaffold that will help children to access um, a calculation and I'd mentioned the the small difference questions I have to give credit to um, I'm sure lots of people do come on, on the on the podcast to Craig Barton who you know I think has opened so many teachers ears and eyes to the world of research and you know full credit to him for that mm. and his second book I, I found absolutely fabulous which was reflect expect check and explain and it was looking at essentially using sequences of so all credit to him so it was looking at using sequences of questions and getting children able to look at um questions where they the the, the philosophy is in a sea of variation where everything or, or too many things change from one question to the next it's hard for a child to discern when this change has, has that effect and by only changing questions minimally, I'm able to see that it, this small change. So, so, for example, I remember doing one with, with my daughter in lockdown sat next to me. And, and she did, I'll try and remember this correctly, uh, eight sixes are 48. And then four twelves and wrote 48. And she saw the answer was the same. And when she saw the answer was the same, she has this moment of surprise. And only then does she go back and think, well, what makes the answer the same? And... By having those little sequences of questions with the small differences, children can learn to and, and get into the routine of thinking, well, what's the same or what's different about the question? And therefore, what do I expect to be the same or different about the answer? And we have these benefits here because if, uh, and, and the thing I love about this is you can give children the answers to all the questions and the thinking doesn't stop. And you, you can go away and, 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 and look at them and think, well, and children start to form expectations. And so they'll think, well, I think that, let's say, I think the answer is going to be the same um, because 
this has changed and that's stayed the same and so on. And if they have that expectation, we, we have these two benefits of either that expectation is met and that confirms the theory that I put together in my mind. Or we've got actually my expectation, it wasn't met. And if it wasn't met, then I'm much more likely to attend to, well, why, why was that incorrect? And just two examples of the techniques that, that uh, hopefully are kind of threaded through all the sections of the eBooks. And again, hopefully it will be something that children will be used to playing around. And I think when children have, have gone through years of using those same techniques, they'll just really go deep into the maths that's kind of embedded within them. That's great. What a lovely summary. And, and I was thinking as you were speaking about the kind of common theme across all your resources and it's really about valuing the journey as much as the destination isn't it in terms of the maths it's really valuing the process rather than just that end goal which can be an obsession and there's a kind of a security for children in that end goal sometimes but I love the idea that sometimes we'll strip out that obsession by giving the answer uh, and we'll, we'll worry about the journey but equally oh sorry my leg just went into cramp <laughs> that's a first on the podcast <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Oh, that was bad. That's how excited I get about math. <laughs> oh. oh, Steve. Oh, dear. I hope you keep that in. I was going to say, we've never done a blooper reel, but we've got one. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had that in my life. <laughs> I'll tell you why, because I, I covered reception for an hour this afternoon and we ran around the running track on our massive field. And they were much quicker than I thought they would be. And, and, I, and I was really scared about losing one. That was my biggest fear in covering reception because I've never covered reception. And it's full on put me into cramp. Right, where was I? Um, <clears throat> my goodness. Sorry, Gareth. Uh, right, very professional. <clears throat> uh, it's a first. I think I was saying something about the journey and the destination. Yes. Oh, yes, I know what I was going to say next. The other thing that I've, I've seen that I really like, I think Claire Celia has shared some examples of, of this, of those questions where we, we, we show the information. So, for example, statistics or data question, but we strip out the question and it's just a what can we notice kind of thing. They're nice, aren't they, for the same reason that we're talking about, of actually sort of putting a little bit less obsession on the final answer, more on the the kind of discussions and the pulling apart oh absolutely absolutely now anyone who's been uh, that i've worked with i talk a lot about numberless problems so having a look uh, we talked about one of the forms of reasoning being understanding relations and let, let, let's say discerning between additive and multiplicative forms of reasoning and looking at worded questions and absolutely just re removing numbers from questions or speculating it these are the different possible questions are just brilliant ways of getting children exploring essentially doing that exploring structures of problems and doing so in a way that's that's kind of comfortable to them um i think there's a, that's enormously enormously powerful brilliant gareth i feel like the time has flown by talking about maths and i'm very sad that it looks like it's coming to the end of my list of questions and I, i've poked in a few extras because i just didn't want to uh, get near the end but what a treat to talk to you about maths i think your resources are absolutely wonderful and i would point out to people they're at an absolute steal of a price too i think someone pointed that out on twitter lately and I think you uh, responded by pointing out that it's really important to you that they are accessible to everybody um, and easy to get your hands on. So, Gareth, how can people get hold of your resources if they are interested and they've listened to you for the first time today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're on uh, my website is is www.icmaths.com um, and there's free samples on there as well. So, you know, hopefully anyone could go away. I hope there's 
that people could go onto my website and not pay any money and get lots of really great content as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, have a look at those there, use them there. Sorry, Gareth, I was just going to say you shared some brilliant early years stuff that you were kind of, ex- this is what I like about following you and being on your mailing list. Gareth will just email out like, I'm playing with some early years resources, some subitizing resources. Can I have some feedback? I love that. You know, we trialed your subitizing resources a, a year or two ago uh, when we were just dipping into sort of mastery in the early years it's great you get all my good and bad ideas uh, on the- exactly <laughs> but what i love is you email you gareth and you say oh, i really like this um th- this bit of, of that resource a, a bit more of that or whatever and you reply and you take it on board i really it's clear that listening is a really important part of your work oh absolutely and i, I could just i can't tell you how important the people I've worked with have been in my career. And essentially, in truth, I really struggled at the beginning of my career. Like, I really struggled. The first two years was extremely difficult. And, and, and I think that, really, it's just been learning to stand on the shoulders of other teachers. Mm. And, and I'm always genuinely saying to people, tell me what could be better about them. And I can't tell you how helpful that's been. So, so I, I took it as my mantra that what I'm going to do is I'm going to put questions on Twitter whilst I'm writing resources and ask people, tell me, nitpick what could be better about them. And, and it's such a helpful process. Love that. Brilliant. We've got so much to learn from one another, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Well, look, if you've enjoyed our natter with uh, Gareth Metcalf, you know what you need to do. You need to pop on, give us a beautiful five-star rating and even better, leave us a lovely review. Not only does it make us feel good and our guests feel really special, <laughs> but it also means that more people come across the podcast, which is 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 so lovely for us. Gareth, what a pleasure to chat. I hope we do get to talk again. Maybe mm. we'll pick another area of math sometime and have a natter about something else if you're up for it. Well, I hope your hamstrings recover, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to leave something in the podcast about the hamstring now you've mentioned it <laughs> absolutely i mean i'm i don't want to say i'm rubbing my thigh under the desk because that sounds a bit dodgy but <laughs> there's some serious self-care that's going to need to happen to uh have me mobile again i think fantastic no it's been it's been a pleasure coming on i've really really enjoyed it thank you gareth it's been a great way to spend the evening thank you thanks steve don't shoot the deputy